Hey, this is Russell, and I'm pretty sure I have one of the greatest jobs in the world. I work at the video store, the one that's just down the road from you that you can go to once a week whenever it is movie night. Why I love this job is because when the store is quiet, I get to watch movies and series and talk about them with my friends that work here. But occasionally, interesting people pop in to rent something. That's what happened today. The filmmaker Sarah Bletcher came by, and we had a magnificent chat. I really, really enjoyed this one. And I hope you will too. But just a quick store announcement for those in Joburg. This coming Friday, Friday the 10th, we're doing another Video Store Presents Night at the Bioscope. And inspired by uh, the incoming Valentine's Day, we chose the film Eagle vs. Shark as a film we want to watch, we want to talk about, we would love you to come and see. So it's a special presentation of that film where... Myself and other guys who are part of the team will be in attendance. So that is uh, this coming Friday at the Bioscope in Johannesburg. And of course, tickets are available at thebioscope.co.za. But let's get into it. This is Sarah Bletcher popping in to rent something. How's it? Hey. How are you doing? <laughs> this week, great. Yeah? Yeah, it's been a good week. You've just come from set. In fact, I've just come from Sun City Prison, actually. Ooh, doing a recce with somebody for a, a shoot that they're doing tomorrow. And what is Sun City Prison like these days? <laughs> I've never been. <laughs> I hope to never be. <laughs> The the documentary that that the filmmaker is doing is a documentary on babies being born in prison. Oh, wild! So I was in the the women's section with the babies, which was completely wild. You know, you walk into this prison and you see all these young children, and it just—I yeah. mean, like babies. Yeah. Um, and what is the idea, generally speaking, with a child born in prison? The, the the children that are born in prison stay with their moms for the first two years. So for the first yeah. two years, the moms are allowed to keep the babies in prison. Yeah. And then the babies get taken away. They're okay. not allowed to be in prison They've got anymore. to make a plan. They've either got to be at a family member or, yeah. or go into the system somehow. But it's such a hectic experience for these women because you've got your baby with you 24 hours a day. Which in many ways could be quite nice. Which does. It inspires yeah. the women and it makes them want to change and change their lives and all that kind of stuff. And then on the second birthday, the babies get wrenched away from these women. Um, and they're left, you know, to serve out their sentences. And these children are sort of thrown into the world where they don't know how to be with men. Yeah. You know, they've never seen men their whole entire lives. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. They don't know how to move beyond doorways because that's all they're allowed to be in. Yeah, it's amazing that early childhood development is, is wild. So wild. It's, it's quite something. Okay, so you are assisting in putting this documentary together. I'm actually a mentor on the, on, on the documentary. Okay, so, so. Was, was it someone else's idea? Yes, totally. Okay, and then you just sort of guiding them as a, yeah. as a seasoned filmmaker yourself. Yep. Because the first thing we encountered you with was Surfing Soweto. Yeah. So the first... At least that was the first film I heard of you was Serving Soweto. Yeah. Was that the first film you did? 
That was the first feature documentary I yeah. did. Yeah. But I'd done, I mean, I'd done a lot of shorter length documentaries. I'd done, in fact, the same time that, that Surfing Soweto came out was the same time Hotel Burning came out. Okay. So both of those, it's a weird twin thing in yeah, my life. Yeah, lovely. And so Surfing Soweto was, was about the kids who kind of train surf. So they get on top of these cars and perform their own personal stunts. And it was wild. Yeah. It was so crazy to see. And then Atello Burning was um, ahead of me chatting to you. I was thinking about it. It was a very cool film. It was a, it, it had its own sort of sense of style and it was so like color wise, it was very dense and, and graded well. And it was this great story of young surfers, black surfers in, in Natal. Yeah. But it also had a kind of hipness to it where there was like a really great soundtrack and a whole bunch of like cool artists were involved. And I remember in the start of the Bioscope, it was exciting to get a film like that where we were obviously trying to champion South African cinema as much as possible. And when something like that came, we were like, this is cool. This is something we can sell as a young, cool space, so to speak. So that was great. Oh, thanks. And then um, Ayanda was shot in Mabuneng. Ayanda was shot in Mabuneng. Exactly. So that was cool to then screen it. Yeah. Um, and then, um, does it, Anna? Yep, pretty yeah. good. Yeah. yeah, getting yeah. there, getting yeah. through your filmography. <laughs> it's lovely. And then, but now, just to jump ahead, you've, you did the Senzo thing. Yeah. Okay, the, what is that again? Just for people who don't know. Um, it's a Netflix series. So yeah. it's a crime series. On the death of Senzo Meiwa, so on who killed him, basically. Because that is an ongoing thing. He's a soccer player. Yeah. Who did he, play? he He was captain of the national soccer team. Okay, wild. At you the see, time I don't he was killed. Ex yeah. Artists and sports people. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. I'll never forget, uh, we opened the Bioscope in 2010 in and around the World Cup. And there were a handful of people that came to us with soccer films. Yeah. Because that was kind of this natural thing. Yeah. And we were completely... Uh, wet behind the ears or whatever the term is and someone even said like you know this isn't going to work right and yeah. they're like what are you talking about yeah. it's like it's the soccer and this is a documentary about soccer they were like people who enjoy soccer don't watch films yeah or documentaries <laughs> and people who watch documentaries don't really like soccer so this isn't going to work and they were true <laughs> i think i think but that was this is true different. then but that, this is different because yeah. this is this is true crime yeah it's it's and it transcends Everything. Sport. I, I, I think that um, sport documentaries on streamers like Netflix yeah. have changed that. Exactly. Because it's brought that content to those people. They don't have to get in their car, go down to like an art house cinema yeah. or whatever they perceive the bioscope to be to watch this film. It's, it's in their neighborhood. It's in their, it's in their living room. Yeah. It, it totally is in their living room, but it's also, you know, if you, if you think about like the Formula One series on, yeah, on yeah, Netflix. Yeah. Which is amazing. Brilliant. But it's it's drama. Yeah, yeah. It's and like, it's not about the racing. It's totally. about the drama. No, yeah. I love that. Oh, yeah. I love Drive to Survive. <laughs> it it, it yeah. was one of my um, first COVID. Um, Fines. You know, when you were yeah. stuck with COVID yeah, yourself yeah. And, you, yeah. and you got into it. Yeah. And I, I totally got into Formula One. My second bout of COVID, I was watching a lot of Hot Ones, you know, which is that show on YouTube yeah. where celebrities eat 
hot to, hotter and hotter chicken wings. Okay, no, I don't okay. know. <laughs> and all it makes you want to do is just eat chicken wings. But no, drive to survive. Um, and then, of course, you don't drive because you're stuck at home with COVID. Yeah. And then when you get in the car, you kind of go a lot <laughs> faster than you should. Um, yep. So he was the captain of Bafana Bafana, and then he got and, killed. And, and uh, the, the goalkeeper for, for Orlando Pirates. He's, okay. you know, in the soccer world, he's, he's extremely well-known. And, then how, and, how and this, loved. Very, like he's one of the very few soccer players that yeah. everyone who, who – Anyone who played with him, anyone who knew him, yeah. I mean, he's a really loved, 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 loved guy. And he got murdered in Kelly Kamala's house. Um, and there were wow. there were seven people in the house at the time, not counting their kids. Yeah. And they don't ever catch the guys. And we don't, do we know what kind of happened or what transpired? Um, well, the court case is actually going on now. So okay. the court case, um, it's on a... Break God the court the court yeah, case has been its own drama. Yeah. Um, but it starts again in April. So there are now um, five guys who've been arrested yeah. who are well, at least some of them very notorious hitmen. Okay. Um, which, you know, makes you think, well, who paid them? Yeah. Like where is the mastermind? Where is the person that and Why would, would anybody want him killed? And why would anybody want him killed? Okay, so that so we we've got s- one season already. Yeah. Okay, and you directed it. Well, it, it, I mean, it was it was a story that I was obsessed with from the moment he was killed because I was like, how can the captain of the national soccer team be killed, and we can't? I mean, it took six years to arrest him. I mean, the, a guy was arrested a few weeks later, and he was clearly the wrong person. Okay. And then he was released, and now he's suing the state. And he was he was a car wash guy who'd washed Senzo's car. Okay. So everyone knew him and the people in the house knew him and yet he got yeah. arrested. It was a crazy story. But then it took six years for them to arrest the next person. So for wow. six years, we as a country can't solve the murder yeah. of the captain of our national soccer team. Yeah. Um, so I was obsessed with the story. And then I started hearing these rumors that, in fact, the reason it wasn't solved was because some one of those people or some of those people in the house yeah. – had done the murder. Because obviously, you know, there are they, they are witnesses to the yeah, murder. Yeah. So if you're not solving it, maybe it's because... Someone's stopping it from being solved. Someone's stopping it from being solved. And then wow. you start... So that that's where my interest in the story really started. And have, in any point in this process, are you worried for how much you're meddling in things? Like your involvement, does it yeah. scare you in any way? You know, uh, there there are a few levels on which it's scary because it's it's scary because you're dealing with soccer and you're dealing with the world of soccer. Yeah. Um, and you know, the, which is not the most honest sport in the no. world. <laughs> it's no. not. It's not the most filled with uh, people with integrity. With integrity, yeah. 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 I mean, there, there are quite a few notorious people in there. You yeah, know, yeah. the urban cause. There, are yeah, quite yeah. a number of people that are quite. Scary. Scary, yeah. Um, and, and when the story sort of was veering towards those characters, um, I actually was scared. It was the first time in my life as a filmmaker I've actually, I have been scared. Because it's amazing also, and you see this all the time, where something like Netflix, and it's really only the power of Netflix, yeah. where not only are there big billboards, but it's kind of in everyone's house now, where not everybody watched SABC2 at 8 o'clock on that night, you know, like... 
because it's so available, um, these stories get completely like re-blown up and everyone involved, I'm sure, was like, oh God. Yeah. Because if I was implicated on a shady level, it's like, oh Jesus, now everyone's going to have an opinion. Yeah. Like everyone's going to have theories and everyone's going to, everyone's a, everyone's a jury now. Everybody is everybody is a jury. In in many circles, that was already there, to be honest. And, yeah, and now it's millions of people. Yeah. yeah. No, it's millions of people outside South Africa. Yeah, because that's the other thing. Is that yeah. This probably expanded to Netflix around the world. Totally. Um, so okay. it, it definitely amplifies the voice all over, you know, out of the, the little echo chamber where people were talking about the story. Yeah. But it's also... the you know, you've got a core audience. You've got the people that have been following this murder. Like, you know, for people in the soccer world, yeah. this murder with Kelly Kumalo, who's like a big pop star, and you know, it's got all the drama, and it's yeah. got all the intrigue, and it's got all. It's got, it's got every element. You know, it's people lovely. in the house, cover-ups, adultery, yeah. girlfriends, wow. uh, money, soccer. Oh, like, I must watch this now. I, I, I saw it come, and I yeah. and I knew, you know, I knew it was out there. I actually didn't know you were involved until we caught up the other day, and you reminded me of it. So, ah, oh, that's lovely. What was the um, aftermath of it for you personally as a filmmaker? Were you getting more? The what did the exposure do for you? Did it did it lead to other things for you? I mean, it's a lovely thing to have on your resume. I think I'm speaking. I'm speaking positively here. Yeah, no, it, it's absolutely a lovely thing to have on your resume if people know that you did it. Yeah. But kind of when it when it when it went on air. I think Netflix were really quite terrified about the backlash. Okay, so, we, so instead of you, exposing all the creatives and okay, giving so you us actually became a little bit anonymous as a result. Exactly for your safety. No, that's not a bad idea, <laughs> especially yeah. if it's ongoing. It's one thing if it's a completely Absolutely. cold case and there's maybe one disgruntled person who's now old. Yeah. But if it's completely ongoing, then I'm sure some lawyer or some legal team of Netflix was like, okay, we've got to navigate this quite carefully. Yeah. Okay, so you actually weren't... Uh, I mean, you your, didn't know. I, I didn't I, know. But, yeah. w w w but was your name literally there in credits? It is there in credits. Okay, but um, it's just not brought to yeah. you to the front. I mean, okay. we never, you know, we as the creatives who made it never spoke about it. We never gave, I, I have never given an interview about it. Um, Interesting. I've, yeah. You know, which is, it's such a, it's such a difficult thing as a filmmaker to not not do Go that. Go on the road and do press yeah. and, and, and yeah. things. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, is there plans to expand on it now? That I mean, are, are you going to be filming these things when the when the trial comes back? Um, I think Netflix are busy deciding, so okay. I think they'll decide. The, you know, it's what what made the process very difficult was when we approached Netflix with the idea of the story. It was a cold case. No one had been arrested. And okay. so they were very keen to, to tell the story because yeah, it was now a story. Now it just becomes so sensitive. Now because there's a court case. So actually the guys were arrested while we were shooting, which was, I mean, it was very exciting because we knew that they were, that they were arrested. We yeah. couldn't get access to people. Suddenly doors started getting shut to us. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was it was very funny. I, you know, one of the people that worked on it was Mzilikazi wa Africa, the the journalist. Okay. Um, who who he, he's actually an extraordinary person. He's got a long history as a as a journalist. You know, some people really hate him, some people love him. That's but, probably a sign of a good journalist. 
Everybody knows him. <laughs> okay, Everybody yeah, yeah. knows him. So we were film, you know, we were filming quite a lot at Kelly's house where the murder happened, and a few, you know, a few months into shooting, he gets a call from one of the neighbours, yeah. um, and the neighbour says, "I just want to let you know that the police were here yesterday with a guy in handcuffs walking him through Kelly's house," wow. and we were like, "Oh shit, they've arrested people," exactly. um, and that's how we learned that people had been arrested. Um, which was oh, cool. <laughs> it was amazing. So it and was it's lovely when they can all exist outside of the law. So like, you can go on your own investigation. It's lovely. Yeah, no, it was very, it was it was very exciting. But the as the guys got arrested and we started learning, oh my god, these guys are actually they're hitmen. The one guy mm. um, we we filmed in in northern KwaZulu where, where his court case was on another six murders. Oh lord. Yeah, and not not like. Uh, by mistake, or like he went and shot people eighteen times. Jesus, uh, you know he's he's a real, yeah. He's a hitman. He's yeah. a he's a sentenced hitman, <laughs> sentenced for six murders. And it's so at this wild point. when you grow when you just consume so much sort of Hollywood movies, and and you sort of in a weird way you kind of, despite knowing you live in a one of the most crime ridden countries in the world, you still don't kind of believe that those people walking the streets. You know, that yeah. they exist. Yeah. And then you meet their families. Yeah. A- and it's another whole, you know, it's another yeah. whole because you, you you begin to understand them. Yeah. Like you begin to understand where they grew up and how they grew up and how they became. And I mean, the, this particular hitman we actually interviewed, like we got an interview with him. He was on trial in court. Yeah. Um, and while he was going in and out of the court, we managed to get into the into the cells and interview him. Oh, and oh. you listen to what he's saying and, you know, he starts telling you stories about how, like, him being a hitman goes back, like, five generations to an argument between two families in his area. Yeah. Um, and, and, and he's sort of the pawn that gets used by the families. It's quite, oh, it's quite, it's quite extraordinary. Okay. But then you start spending time, you know, in hitman's world and you start spending time in the hostels in, in Tokoza and Katlong and all these places. Um, and these, these places to me, like having grown up in the 90s, mm. are the most terrifying places in the world. Yeah. You know, they're where they Carter was when they did these raids into the townships. Yeah. And suddenly there you are in the hostel and it's actually not terrifying because you're with the family of the biggest hitman so you you say kind of protected, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Um, it's quite a it's quite a yeah. Okay. It's quite a, a an but experience. Speaking of interesting jobs, <laughs> you yes. uh, you let me know that you have recently been dabbling in another interesting job when it comes to film sets. Yeah. C- could you elaborate? Sure. <laughs> um, so my 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 side hustle, yeah. as it were is intimacy coordination, which is, it's, it's exactly like stunt coordination. Yeah. You know, you go onto a set and you make sure that everybody is safe. Yeah. You make sure that the scene if is the, well choreographed. Yeah, if a guy's going to be set on fire, it's yeah. done in a particular way. Exactly. So this is now that equivalent for intimate scenes, for intimate scenes so sex yeah. scenes or nudity or any kind of fragile nature. Exactly. Um, and so how did you stumble into that? Um, I'm trying to think. So I, I was actually at the Berlin Film Festival okay. and someone came, came and gave a talk about intimacy. I mean, intimacy coordination is very new. 
it yeah. hasn't it hasn't existed. No, because you yeah. hear you hear these stories like these horror stories of you know Brooke Shields when she was young and kind of how badly she was treated on, or how weird it was. Yeah, you know, shooting Blue Lagoon and all these kinds of things. Exactly. And it's just great that yeah people are stepping in and doing these things right. I think the Me Too movement really shifted things in the film industry. It kind of formalized it, yeah. It really did. Well, it 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 gave people a place to say no. Yeah. You know, and all you need is a place to say no. It's you know, we can confident enough to do that, yeah. Cuz I can imagine with all the money riding on it and everybody and everyone yeah. on set and and then for the yeah. for the maybe the young actress to go, "Wait, hold on. I don't quite like this." Exactly. She might not feel she has the voice to do it, yeah. She doesn't have the voice to do it. I mean, many young actresses don't have the voice to do it. Yeah. Um, and that's what Me Too changed. Suddenly yeah. young actresses were like, actually, no. <laughs> I'm actually, like, if you want me to do the intimate scene, let's let's put a process on it. Let's do it in a safe way. Yeah. Let's not go and improvise. Let's not put ourselves in any danger. This is, this is, this is simulated. This is yeah. choreographed. This isn't real. It's like... You know, you don't you don't do a big bar fight and then you set up a camera and say, "Okay, everyone, let's fight." Yeah, just like And I'll see what let, I get. Let's, let's do it organically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You don't do that. I mean, yeah. it, because it looks shit. Number one, yeah, like yeah. what you're going to get yeah, is not yeah. convincing as a fight. Yeah, 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 cuz we all naturally <laughs> don't know how to fight. And in many ways, we often don't know how to make love well. <laughs> well, we don't know. You might think you do, but yeah. yeah. But we don't know how to make it look a certain way. We don't. Yeah. So so the, once, what's right for the scene, yeah. Exactly, and what's right for the character. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what we were saying is that there's there's a point to that. So perhaps what's an example or what's some of the things you've encountered? Um so for example, you know, when when you're breaking down a scene, say it's a sex scene, it's really not about well, I mean sometimes it's about make it as sexy as possible. Yeah. Right? Make it as titillating as possible. And then that's the brief. And then you try and, you know, design and choreo choreograph a scene that's that's titillating or whatever the director wants. Yeah. But very often it's what's going on with the characters. Yeah. Like is this the first time this character's ever had sex? Is this character um, not sure what to do and sort of negotiating it with her partner? Yeah. Like, are they trying to work out the awkwardness? And then you choreograph the awkwardness. Yeah. So it isn't about the actor's sexuality. Yeah. You protect the actor's private sexuality. You know, you yeah. don't ever bring that into a scene. You don't say, well, what would you do with your boyfriend? Yeah. You leave yeah. that private for the actor mm. and you allow the actor to explore, well, what's the sexuality of this character? Mm. Like, is this character wanting um, sort of edgy, more violent sex? Yeah. Because that's what stimulates her. Or is this character wanting to be caressed? Or like, what's the sexuality of this character? It's what you do with all character work. Yeah, and it's so decisions. funny yeah. that it's never been done with these scenes. It's so funny. Like these scenes are taken out separately and you don't ever engage yeah. with a character in them. Yeah. Which, which when you think that, it's like, duh. And when you see yeah. great examples, like I'll never forget being older, watching art house films or certain kind of art house. And what I mean by art house is like where there is that sex scene that isn't sexy for the first time. It's not this kind of soft core porn that you might have seen yeah. as an adolescent male, where all of a sudden it is sweaty and dirty and weird, but it's it feeds and is part of what that story is. And it's done in a way where you like, or a bit like, oh, wait, yeah. oh, God. <laughs> it's yeah. a little unnerving or it's a little uneasy or it's difficult. And that's the point. 
That's the point. Yeah. That's the point. And actually, you know, I, I realized also that's how kids learn about sex. Yeah. So, you know, constantly exposing kids to sex, that's pornography. Yeah. Destroys their sexuality. Yeah, in many ways, yeah. Because you think that that's what all girls are going to do or sound like or let you do or, yeah. It's no, what it's you think sex is and it's not actually what yeah. sex is. Yeah. So, um, you know, I mean, the, all the studies they've done in terms of pornography and the effect it has on sexuality are bad. You know, yeah. it's it's no, not... No, it's nothing, nothing about it's good, yeah. Whereas if you start exploring sexuality in a real way, you know, if you start exploring what's what's really going on in sexuality, and 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 kids see that in films, yeah. it it allows them space to explore their own sexuality in a in a much more interesting way. Yeah. Because kids do. I mean, I you know, I, I can't tell you how many young kids I meet, and they're like, "Yeah, I love movies where there's lots of kissing because then I learn how to kiss." Yeah. You know, or that then yeah. I learn because how do you learn these? These are private things that are in like. Yeah behind closed doors. You yeah. don't see other people doing these things. No, and when you become an adult and, and then you do start having sex, you're like, sex is awkward and it, it it can be clumsy. And that's also often what is the most fun with a partner is totally. leaning in and enjoying that. But it's certainly not like the movies. No, exactly. It <laughs> where, there's, yeah. where there's like a sort of a satin <laughs> curtain around yeah. you, you know. It's like, exactly. Oh, lovely. Okay, well, that's so cool that you get to do that and yeah. that you get to help do those things right, because that's also another thing is that you're yeah. part of a, a force for good. Um, that's a really big thing for me. I mean, you know, it's it's a big thing coming out of like my SWIFT background to protect women. And, you know, it, it, it that's really a big part of what intimacy coordination SWIFT does. is? We've done something with SWIFT as the bioscope. Um, SWIFT is, is sisters um, working in film and television. Okay. Yeah. So it's a, an organization that I started with a group of people. It's like nearly six years ago. Um, oh, you started it? Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a big thing to me in a country like South Africa yeah. to, to have more women involved in the film industry. Mm. Because what it allows is it allows the representation of women to be more nuanced and and correct. Yeah, we we we've we've had many conversations in the video store about that. Yeah, where it's it's just about it being authentic and real and respectful. And then yeah. and then and then you sort of wonder why that did so well. <laughs> yeah, why you know? it did so well, but also you know it when you constantly are representing women as objects. Yeah. People treat women as objects, yeah. and then you're surprised why there's so much violence against women in society. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's so yeah. simple. Just bring more women into the industry. No, and especially when you when one starts using the terms um, systemic. Yeah. And you realize that like, it's it's you can't just shove a person in the director seat and say go. Yeah. They've got to be. They've got to be educated at a film school, perhaps, maybe yeah. not necessarily, but they just need experience on set. They need to grow. They need to work their way up the ranks. People have to allow them to be going up the ranks. Yeah, it can take a while. It can uh, take and, a while. And, and one it. of the most interesting things one can always argue how reflective the Oscars are or aren't, but with it being almost a hundred years of the Oscars, you can almost see that as a hundred percent pie chart. Yeah, and you can go, okay, sure, the first. 60, 70 years of the Oscars was men running it, okay? Yeah. But out of almost 100 Oscars, you've got 
two women? Yeah. Catherine Bigelow and then the woman from Nomadland. Yeah. Has there been a third? No, I don't think so. And no black director has yeah. won Best Director. Yeah. Spike Lee has gotten a couple of Oscars or one Oscar for his screenplay. Yeah. And a couple of guys have been nominated, but we yeah. are yet to have, yeah. a, a, you know, a, a person of color as a man holding a holding an Oscar for Best yeah. Director. So that yeah. also shows you the systemic I think the, the, the closest we came was Nomadland. Yeah, because she was, um, uh, she was yeah. Asian. Yeah. Um, Asian American. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, I think those things are interesting because that's the good sign of systemic problems where yeah. you're like, how do you get all the way up in the politics? Yeah. Because we were talking about that as well. Yeah. Like, no matter where you are, there's always politics. And so with the Oscars, it's, it's also all about politics. Totally. And ah, that's interesting. But speaking of the Oscars, yeah. we were talking about Fablemans. Yes. Which uh, we, as the video store, we had a little outing. Okay. And we went to go and watch myself Brilliant. and some of the other guys. It was last night. Okay. Funny enough. Oh, good, good. And so it's fresh in your mind. It's fresh in my mind. And you said you liked it. Loved it. I really loved it. I really, I, it was, um, for me as a director. Yeah. I love getting lost in a movie. Yeah. And of course, Spielberg is so good at that. So just quick yeah. back of the box. This is um, Steven Spielberg uh, basically telling the story of his childhood, him becoming a filmmaker and and his family. Which and his he, mom, he, he, really. And his mom, yeah. 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 Which Michelle oh, Williams wow. was incredible. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so, and so, yeah. It's about this family called the Fablemans, which was effectively the Spielbergs. And so, um, very true to his story. Um, and he gets to make this film later on in his life, where he's proven to the world he knows how to make a movie. Yeah. And now he can, f- mostly probably for himself. Yeah. Make this movie about his childhood to kind of tell the story of his childhood for yeah. himself and for everyone. Yeah, it, it, and it is it, 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 it is the story of his childhood, but I think for me, more than that, it was the story of a child discovering, like, the infidelity of his mother and uh, the complexity of his parents' relationship. Totally, and that he had to, um, he had to keep that for himself as, as a secret. Yeah. He discovers his mom um, is in love with his dad's, uh, best friend, so like the family friend, and he um, Spielberg in an interview also explains that he he was the only one that kind of kept that secret. Yeah, his sisters didn't know, and so when the parents split up, and the dad said, "This was my decision." Yeah, um, yeah. I'm helping your mom. He's like, I know the. He kept the he he for a long time held the weight. Yeah, of the fact that like he knew, the real story was that the mom had yeah. was was with this. This friend, but that scene where he he sh- you know shows the mom that he knows and he yeah. shows her the film in the cupboard, yeah, and she come. I mean that you know that's the kind of scene that lives with you forever. Yeah, you just because it's so there's so much going on in that scene. And you remember I don't know whether you heard this in film school, but it's one of those things you take from film school the idea of show don't tell. Oh yeah, and so without yeah. saying a word, yeah, he uh, filmed this family trip. Um, this camping trip where he noticed in the footage that the mom was holding hands with the guy and just the way she was looking at him and he picked it up from the footage. And so mm. he cut this special version of this family trip, which was just of the mom, the scenes of the mom and this this um, family friend. 
And then to sort of say to the mom, I know what's going on. He just showed her this footage. Yeah. He took her into the, his bedroom, pressed play, and she watched it. And her face, as she realized what she was watching, um, yeah. is, it's just magical moments in cinema, which, as we were yeah. saying, Spielberg knows how to do so well. And Perfectly. this movie shows you him making his first movies with his Boy Scout friends. And yeah. even in interviews, Spielberg talks about how, how much joy he got out of hearing people laugh and engage with the film. And that was the magic of cinema. Yeah. And you can just understand that he knows how to do that so well. He knows how to get a group excited and happy. And yeah, no, I mean, it, was, it's, it's, it was a magical movie. It was a magic. And, and right up until the very last <laughs> scene, that yeah. last moment, even. Yeah. Do, you, yeah. do you remember with the, yeah. the, the way the camera moves right yeah. at the end? Do you remember? Yeah. It's yeah. just it's and so the opening lovely. scene. It, you know, it's like there, there, there are scenes in that movie that I would say are perfect. Yeah, like there is nothing imperfect about them. They're just perfect, perfect, perfect scenes. Yeah. Um, and they're so layered. Like they're they're communicating so many complex gray areas. Yeah. Um. So simply, yeah. and that's perfect in in my mind that's perfect filmmaking yeah um and there's so few people with that genius yeah what, uh, what are some of the others at the moment that you're excited about or that you've um, watched or want to watch or what what's um perhaps in the oscar race so to speak yeah are there others that stand out for you um i mean the fableman totally so i mean you know avatar i love i yeah. i we were, yeah we yeah. were just saying that like Sometimes you just need a yeah. two hours in the ocean <laughs> with some Navi. Because that's yeah, what you exactly. need. Yeah. And, and that's another guy who, who yeah. James Cameron Genius. gets that. He just yeah. gets this magic when you just want to escape to another world. Completely. I heard about a guy who had a heart attack. There was a guy who died watching Avatar 2. Oh, really? Because there was a sense of how he got so overcome by, by it. Oh, wow. Um, I think he was an older gentleman but people just say how crazy it is that your mind, after a while, just believes everything that you're seeing is real. Yeah, and it's like it's quite something. Um, I I have been watching a lot of documentaries. At yeah, the I was about to say, what are you? Yeah, what are you watching? Um, I loved the Nalvani one. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, we screened it at the Bioscope. Yeah. As part of Encounters, yeah, and it's yeah. always tricky when Encounters rolls around because you get these twenty documentaries moments before the festival yeah. i don't have time to necessarily always watch them yeah. but that navalny one is great that's about the um effectively putin's the opposition opposition yeah. who, who got like he's still alive right yeah he got poisoned but he got poisoned yeah he got he got poisoned and then uh, by putin and in the documentary they 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 literally speak to one of the people that put the poison <laughs> on the phone and he admits that he did it yeah yeah. And how well is it that even in our own <laughs> yeah. backyard, you've got yeah. a guy like Dorator going like, um, I was poisoned. Yeah, <laughs> with arsenic. Like, and everyone's like, oh my God, this is like something out of like, yeah. you know. And that's another documentary waiting to happen right there. Yeah, um, okay. That uh, was beautiful. I watched mm. I watched another documentary and I can't, I mean, I'm so terrible with names. but It's it fine, was, we've got a thing at the end of the show where I can give the name but you can maybe describe it yes it's in fact i can send you the name yeah, yeah. i've got it um but it's a st it's made by an american filmmaker and her and her siblings decide that they're gonna their, their father wants an assisted suicide so she films okay. the assisted suicide wild 
Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It so was just. We, it, how did yeah. you get hold of it? Um, I was judging on a on a documentary competition, so I watched okay, so a lot. Okay, you got sent the screeners yeah. and stuff. Okay, yeah. hopefully that kind of thing can become available. Sometimes there's yeah. sometimes there's sort of more conceptual, slower pace, intimate, personal story documentaries can sometimes get a bit lost because they don't necessarily yeah. make your uh, algorithms and Netflix and things, but they are lovely documentaries this was beautiful i mean it where was they almost play out like a small narrative film oh completely because people think of documentaries as being these sort of bigger things like wildlife stuff or true no, crime no. or yeah where often it can just be the story of like a family yeah and and those things can win awards around the world and they can be amazing films completely okay. and they're and they're you know beautiful i mean this film is it's affirming you know, yeah. it's a film about assisted suicide, but it's the most life-affirming film you can imagine. Yeah, it's so beautiful. It's yeah, I mean, it, it's For, like yeah, the fablement. My, my mom, uh, my mom's always made that joke where she's like, "If I get loony, she's like, take me to the Netherlands." <laughs> <laughs> she's like, "I don't want to be like this kind of kooky, like loony mom. Like, if I'm if I'm lost, then yeah. just take me out, take me out to the back of the farm." Yeah. It's funny, um, but um, what does that mean, right? And that's what this film unpacks. Yeah. Like, what is it? What What would you actually have to, like, how do you go through that? Yeah, yeah. No, that 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 that's that's crazy. Um, uh, what else? I should maybe try and help you find something to watch. What do you yes. want? What, okay, so you're watching yeah. a lot of documentaries. I'm watching a lot of documentaries. And I think a lot of documentaries come to you, so perhaps I can't necessarily help <laughs> help you find more documentaries, but what, what would you want to see more of? Um, sure. You know, there are, there are so many films that are getting made around the world, um, and if they're not made for a Netflix, yeah. um, and if they're not made for a big streamer, we don't get access to them. Yeah. We really don't get access to them. You know, we the, the films that are on Netflix, people can watch on Netflix. Yeah. But the other films we don't know about, we yeah. don't see, but they're magical. Yeah. Um and it's those kind of films that I that I would love to see more of. Yeah, well one way in which I hope I can continually help you is with some of the stuff we do at the Bioscope. So some of the films you're describing are the more foreign language films that are perhaps made for a particular country. So our monthly French night, the Joburg French Cine Club, which you yeah. came to um, last week, which yeah. is what connected us again, yeah. um, was specifically curated by the Alliance Francaise here in Johannesburg to be the kind of recent French films that French folk who've moved to South Africa or are now working in South Africa or been here for the last few years might have missed because they got released in France in the last few years yeah so they, they specifically designed to be those kinds of films that you can't Brilliant. get anywhere else so yeah you came to that which was lovely and we're going to continue doing that oh, and it was such a lovely evening yeah yeah no they are nice and we play french music in the cafe and you come for a glass of wine and yeah it's lovely um we're going to do an argentinian film an argentine film uh in feb um yeah stuff comes up all the time so yeah. it'd be nice to keep having you come for that I'm 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 your biggest fan. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it so much. But yeah, let's let's um perhaps maybe even leave it at there because this has been such a lovely chat and I really appreciate all the things that you've brought the bioscope. 
we've really appreciated all the films that you've made and and it's just lovely to just be able to chat and hopefully we can have you back soon definitely and um one one of the projects i'm working on at the moment is a big war film so oh, yeah cool what what war second world war okay so yeah from what point of view oh well i can't be telling you that <laughs> Okay. Um, no, I mean, I can be telling you that. You, don't, you, don't, uh, you tell me whatever you are willing to. But um, So it's, it's, it's literally the story of, of uh, the, the black soldiers that fought in the war in South Africa, for South Africa, you know, as part of the South African forces. Okay. That, that got sent. Fought. Did that, we send many troops? We did. We did. Okay. We sent many, many, many troops. And the, the African troops we sent with assegais. Oh, Lord. We, we, we were too frightened to send them with weapons. So we sent them into the Second World War with Assa guys. Really? Um, yeah. Are we talking like Europe? Yeah. Well, no, we're talking actually North Africa. So Tobruk and those kind of huge, big battles. Oh, one, but one despite forgets, that, they one became, forgets how much World War II happened in Africa. Yeah. One does forget, actually. But, but, but some of these guys, and in fact, many of these guys, were heroic. You know, the, the, the guy that we're telling the story about actually blew up a ship. Wild. <laughs> Which is completely well, wild. Well, one yeah. of the coolest things I've ever done in my life was scuba dive a wreck in the Red Sea. Oh, wow. Which was an Allied ship that got bombed. Okay. Um, it's called the Thistlegorn. So okay. anyone who um, takes scuba diving seriously and would travel the world to do scuba diving trips would naturally go to the Red Sea because there's lovely things yeah. to see and do. And, and one of which is this wreck okay. where it's this huge ship and you can swim through the wow. passages and okay. there's, there's um, motorbikes on the back of trucks. And of course, like That's the amazing. rubber of the, of the motorbikes is still hundred percent intact, wow. but like fish are swimming through the like petrol cage of the, of the, of the motorbike and wow. these big shells that are almost like if I were to try and hug you, yeah. that's the sort of shell of these, these uh, bullet shells and these locomotive carriages. They're all just yeah. sitting in the ocean in the Red Sea. It's, 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 it's lovely. Bursting with stories. Bursting with stories. <laughs> but yeah, my, my grandfather um, was a young lad in England and during World War II. And he, I think his, um, School got bombed. And so what they started doing was sending the British youth to the colonies where they could be safe. So he arrived as wow. a seven-year-old or nine-year-old on his own on a ship, arrived in Cape Town, host family met him, and he started his life in Africa. Wow. It's wild. So you're totally connected to the Second World yeah. War. Yeah. And so he, growing yeah. up, um, you know, he was around until I was in varsity, and he, he was a World War II sort of collector fundi, like would, would read things and read books and collect oh, stuff wow. because obviously it was like how his life was kind of dictated. He would have had a very different life. Yeah. yeah it was very interesting. Okay, so this is a un, largely untold story. I don't... Yeah, it is a largely untold story. Uh, Vincent Malloy did a documentary uh, about those soldiers, about all, a, okay. a group of those soldiers, you know, about 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah, okay. Um, and someone's... But it is, it's, I mean, it, you know, this is a South African hero that deserves to be recognized. But beyond that, it's a heroic flippant story. 
Yeah. You know, it's a story of heroism it's yeah. and, and, we, and betrayal. And we need a couple of heroes. We definitely <laughs> Especially heroes. right now in yeah, politics. Exactly. Like wouldn't it be wouldn't it be amazing if someone just sort of showed up and was like, I'll 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 fix it. I'll I'll fix it. Yeah. Um there's a lovely um thing on Netflix, um, the sort of Latino Spanish South American version of what we're talking about, which is finding a hero. Um John Lucasamo, the, okay. the actor who's done quite a lot of fun sort of silly stuff. Yeah. But a great actor, um, and then later in life did did some more serious roles. Um has got this film, effectively a film on Netflix. It's more of a live performance and it's the footage of this one man show that he does. Okay. Called Latin History for Morons. Oh wow. Okay. So this is something I I would love to yeah. recommend for you to rent. Okay. I'm sure it's still on Netflix and it's Basically, his son comes home and says, I've got to write a story about heroes. I've got to find a hero. And he sort of says Christopher Columbus or Lincoln or whatever. And he goes, yeah. no, 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 hang on. Let, you're, you're Spanish. You're, you know, Hispanic. Let's try to find some heroes. Then you realize there aren't many. Yeah. And he sort of goes into this great thing. It almost becomes this lesson. He's got this this mobile bull, uh, mobile school, you know, chalkboard. Yeah. And he writes it all. He does this great it's a it's almost a comedy show, but it's more of a one man show, talking about trying to find that pride okay. and some of that pride in your in your own heritage and your own culture comes from finding finding heroes, yeah, finding and understanding why and you know sounds amazing, it's lovely, it kind of takes you by surprise and yeah. it's just it's a nice easy enough watch. And for someone who consumes a lot, perhaps even more than me. Um, <laughs> This is something I can recommend. Brilliant. Okay, so yeah, I think it's pretty much 100% sure. It's called Latin History for Morons. Got it. Okay, magic. Brilliant. Okay. Well, thank you very Thanks much. Thanks for your time. Total pleasure. <laughs> cool, and we'll see you soon at the Bioscope. Definitely. All right, what a lovely chat. Uh, my name is Russell Grant, and today on the show I was chatting with Sarah Bletcher, the filmmaker. We are thevideostore.co.za, so please feel free to share that around if you want to get anyone else into us. Um, all the links to all the relative uh, platforms and social media handles are there. We would love to hear from you as well, so please rate and review, as well as leave comments in social media on what you think we should be chatting about and what you're enjoying. We'd uh, love to hear from you. All right, uh, just one more little reminder for those living in Joburg. This coming Friday, Friday the 10th, we are hosting another screening at the Bioscope. We are screening the Taika Waititi Early Gem Eagle vs. Shark ahead of Valentine. So that's this coming Friday where we will be screening the film and myself and other members of the video store will be there uh, in attendance to uh, introduce the film. So please... Uh, Come through if you can. Um, tickets are at thebioscope.co.za. Magic, thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. Cheers. Bye.